Interesting, isn't it? We've been looking this month at Christmas through the eyes of. First of all, we looked at through the wise men. Last week with Dr. Freeman, through Jewish eyes. This morning I want us to look at Christmas through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. And tonight I hope you all come back for the highlight of the evening, which of course will be our children uh, as they, uh, we look at the night shift before Christmas and we visit Bethlehem's one and only 24-hour falafel house. But I want to talk about Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds tonight. Because that's really what the story is about. But this morning, I want us to see what that first Christmas was like and even leading up to that first Christmas through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. Let's take a look at the scene. Mary's now born. The golden age of Israel is over. Israel is under Roman domination and occupation. The the kings are gone. Their favorite king, David, has long since been gone. And yet, Israel still is longing for and waiting for a Messiah. A king that will rule and bring peace to them. And peace on earth forever. And it's into this scene that we read about Mary having an encounter in her hometown of Nazareth, and an angel appears. Nazareth. Only two things were really known about Nazareth. Or these are the two things that stand out. Number one, Nazareth was known for its sin. And number two, Nazareth was known for a military outpost, a military garrison, about four miles outside of the town. Nazareth was an expendable city, if you will. No fortified walls. And the military was just strong enough, the base was just strong enough to hold off enemies coming down from the north to the south where the cities were, the big cities, the rich folks, the religious folks, the temple, Jerusalem, the stuff that really mattered. If Nazareth went down and the Roman garrison went down to give them enough time to be ready for battle, then so be it. And the Roman soldiers knew it as well, as well as the townspeople of Nazareth. And so it really wasn't much And when the Roman soldiers got a little military leave and a little military pay, they made that four-mile trek into town where they knew there'd be plenty of cheap wine and a red-light district with plenty of willing women. That was Nazareth. And God has this woman born and raised at this place called Nazareth. We pick up our story in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to open your Bibles there. An angel appears to Mary. She's engaged to be married. 
She's living with her parents. It's an arranged marriage. That's the way they did it back then. Mary's probably around 15 years of age, something like that. That was very common back then. And some might even think that Mary was chosen by God because she was sinless or divine. Not so. The the angel Gabriel makes it clear that she was chosen as an act of God's grace. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Greetings, you are highly, what's the next word? Favored. Did you know that the Greek word favored literally means to receive grace? Who is it that needs to receive grace? Sinners. Sinners. Mary was one of us. She was in need of God's grace and God's favor just as much as we are. Some even insist on praying to Mary. And if you're of that persuasion and you're here this morning, if Mary happened to have joined us today, you know what she would say to you? Mary would say, why would you pray to me when you can go directly to who? My son! She might even quote, the great apostle Paul who wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God. How many gods are there, folks? Just one. And one mediator. How many mediators? That's a go-between, are there? Just one. Between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, Mary would say. Pray to my son. Don't pray to me. Mary even prayed to Jesus. A father was trying to get this point across to his young son who had sat down one evening, made a big, long Christmas list, and was writing to Santa Claus, right? And his father said, son, you don't need to write to Santa Claus. If you really want something, you need to go straight to the top. You need to write to Jesus. And the young boy thought about it for a moment and said, well, that makes sense. And so got out a fresh piece of paper and began to write, dear Jesus, I have been a very good boy this past year. But then he knew that wasn't right, and so he wads up the paper, throws it in the wastebasket, starts again. Dear Jesus, if if you'll see to it, I get a lot of toys and presents this Christmas. I'll really be a good boy next year. And he really knew that wasn't right. He knew himself well enough to know, and so he thought, here's what I'll do. Dear Jesus, I promised to be a very good boy next week. But even new man, I don't even think I can make it through a week. And so he remembers the nativity scene in the front room. So he runs out into the front room. No one's around. He sees the nativity scene. Mary and Joseph and the little figurine of Jesus, baby Jesus. Takes baby Jesus out of the manger, wraps it in a towel, puts it under his bed, and he begins to write, Dear Jesus... If you ever want to see your mother again, well, the, well, the point is, he was going to the right person, just went about it the wrong way. Mary went to the same Jesus we go to. Mary was a sinner like the rest of us, and yet, oh, there was some specialness about this woman. God knew what He was doing when He chose this woman. He really really did. Chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, sixth month of what? If you read back up in the story, you'll find that there was a priest by the name of Zechariah who had a wife by the name of Elizabeth. 
In their younger years, they're now up in age. In their younger years, they would pray, Dear God, give us a baby. Oh, we want a baby so bad. Remember when you were young and you wanted a child, you prayed to get a child and be healthy and you could watch it grow. And Oh, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. But now they're up in years. They're far beyond the childbearing years. And Zechariah is in the temple serving as the priest, and an angel appears to him, and he says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. You're going to give birth to a son, you and your wife. And you're to give him the name John. (laughs) Oh, Zechariah, he just kind of laughed. What are you talking about? See, a cursory reading of that, you would think that Mary, I mean Elizabeth and Zechariah, just prayed, God give us a son, and then they got their prayer answered. They'd stopped praying that prayer years earlier. They prayed it when they were young, but they hadn't prayed that in years. And now he's here, and you're going to get the answer. You're going to have a son. Name him John. What do we learn from that? God's delays are not always God's denials. Amen? You've been waiting on a prayer request that you haven't given up on for years. And God is waiting for the right time, the right place, right reason, and you're going to get it. Hang in there. God's delays are not always God's denials. Hang in there in prayer. And he doesn't believe it, of course, and so he says, all right, because you don't believe, you're not going to be able to talk until that baby boy is born. And he goes out, and I don't know, he had to write it down and explain it to his wife. But in the sixth month of his wife Elizabeth's pregnancy is when this next scene takes place. Okay, do you get it? You see where we are chronologically? God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth. Nazareth? Remember what they were saying about Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, Jesus Christ. A town in Galilee. Those were the northerners. Those were the hicks. Down south, we're the sophisticated. Judea, Jerusalem, man, we're the smart, educated ones. That's where the temple is. That's where the, the, the religious people are. Those northern hicks up north in Galilee, of all places, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. They were legally married, really, at the time. When you're pledged, you were married back then. Although they not come together, the marriage ceremony hasn't taken place. The date's been set. The marriage is arranged. Joseph was the descendant of David. Wasn't that lucky? You know, the Messiah was going to come from the descendants of David. Look at her lineage as well. The virgin's name was Mary. I love the way this begins. Look at the detail. There's a date, six months, Elizabeth. Her story continues. Nazareth, that's a real place. Galilee's a real place. Joseph and Mary were real descendants of David. They were really big on their genealogies. You can check this out. This is not fairy tale stuff, folks. A lot of people try to dismiss the Bible as a fairy tale. And how do they begin? Once upon a time. When was that? Far away place. Where is that? Long, long ago. <laughs> when's, when's that? Now, the Bible gives dates, places, events. Go on to Luke chapter 2 and you'll read about the birth and who was the governor even of that particular region. Details. Verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled. You would be too at his words. And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Why do you say don't be afraid? Because she was afraid. You find yourself in the presence of an angel. I guarantee you, you'll be afraid too. They're not these little chubby little cherubs that we think are so cute. They are frightening creatures. And when she stood in the midst of one, she was afraid. And so she, he, she needed to hear those words. Mary, you have found favor. That's grace with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father. Look, David, see how this is all coming together? Prophecy. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. If you're in the church, you're in his kingdom. The gates of hell shall not prevail, what? Against his church, against his kingdom. We will go on and on. We will live eternally in the kingdom. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? I've not been with a man that way. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth. Your relative. Did you know that Jesus and John the Baptist were related? Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So a miracle took place there. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. She's ahead of Mary. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Now watch this. Then the angel left. Don't you know this was exciting all the way up to that point? Man, you're hearing some wonderful stuff. You're in the presence of an angel. The angel calms you down, tells you some tremendous things. You say, yes to God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm your servant. And then the angel leaves. And now it's just you. Uh Uh-oh. Remember when you came to Christ? Man, it may have been at a church camp. It may have been at a camp meeting. It may have been uh, uh, in, in a very exciting worship service. It may have been with some family and some friends. And man, you were so charged up and fire up. You were ready to charge the gates of hell with squirt guns. As someone said, let's go. But then time wears on. And church camp is over. The gospel meeting is over. Family's not around, and it's just you and God. Uh Uh-oh, what did I get myself into? Am I going to stay faithful? Am I going to follow through? Am I going to keep the commitment God has called me to keep? And then the angel left, and Mary's now all alone, and Mary's got a big problem. What's that? She's pregnant, now she's got to explain this to who? Joe needs to know. Mom, Dad need to know. Let me give you a little insight. Mary was misunderstood. But whenever you agree to do great things for God, let me tell you something about you. You're going to be misunderstood. People are going to misunderstand you too. They're going to misunderstand your motives. They're going to misunderstand your methods. They're not going to get it. And you know what you're going to have to do at times like that? You're going to have to do what Mary did. 
you're going to have to learn to be patient, and you're going to have to learn to trust God alone. You'll find that Mary never defends herself. She never (laughs) says, okay, God, you got me into this, now get me out of it. None of that goes on. She just remains faithful to God and lets the Lord defend her. Mary was misunderstood by Joseph. Imagine trying to explain to Joseph. We saw just a small taste of that, didn't we? If that video would have continued, what might we have heard? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us. What I'm about to share with you um, is a possibility, but it's not in the Word. And so allow me a little liberty with the Scripture. You know, something like this conversation took place, right? Joseph, I'm pregnant. What? I'm pregnant. I'm with child. But you don't understand, Joseph. What do you mean you're pregnant? How can you be pregnant? Well, Joseph, I know it's not your baby, but it's God's baby. Whose baby is it, Mary? It's God's. How many of you guys would have fell for that? See, Joseph knows of only one way that women get pregnant. He'd not been with her in that way. He ain't buying it. Mary's misunderstood. Was it true? Yes, it was true. This was tough. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. We get some insight into Joseph. But Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Mark that down. We sometimes get a little down on Joseph. But think about what he's having to deal with, right? He did not see the angel. He did not meet Gabriel. He did not have the encounter. He wasn't there. But he was a righteous man. He wanted to do things God's way. And he didn't want to expose her. He loved Mary. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And if the word gets out too far, the religious leaders, what would they be all too anxious to do? Remember, what what was the law for adultery? Stoning. He didn't want any harm coming to her. He loved her. He just, he's perplexed, he's puzzled. And he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Let's just keep it low key down under and I'll go on my way. She can go on her way. Mary was misunderstood by Joseph. She was not only misunderstood by Joseph, Mary was misunderstood by her parents. Can you imagine? You're a 15-year-old girl living under your mom and dad's house. They've arranged this marriage, and you walk in, and you say, Mom, Dad, can I talk to you? Yeah, what is it, Mary? I'm pregnant. What? You're pregnant? How could you and Joseph do this to us? How could you do this to your mother and father? Um, Mom, Dad, the baby's not Joseph's. Oh, Mary. Think about that. Let that sink in just a bit. And sometimes what the Bible doesn't say is as important as what the Bible does say. When little baby Jesus was born, where were Grandma and Grandpa? When little baby Jesus was born, where were Mary's mother and where was her father? Man, there's a time when you need parents, right? We're the proud grandparents. Again, Bible would be this sick if it filled in all the details. And so what I'm telling you is sort of conjecture. But I kind of think they were ashamed that she had brought reproach upon the family. That's why they weren't there. Nothing could have kept Jane and I away from the birth of our first grandson this past year. 
we were on baby watch for about a week or so. And a number of false alarms, but we didn't care. We just, just keep us posted, keep us posted. Early in the morning, the phone rings. That's our son, Corey. Dad, we're, we're at the hospital. We're in Riverside. And the doctor said, one way or another, this baby's coming today. Guess what, man? We were out of bed, and we were there in an hour and a half, and we sat in that maternity ward waiting room, as anxious grandparents do, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. This particular hospital was a huge hospital. It had a huge maternity ward, and they had a number of births that day. And every time at this hospital, when a birth took place, over the loud system, the PA system, lullaby music would play. And you knew that a new baby arrived into the world. We thought, is that one ours? Is that one ours? Is that one ours? Is that one? All until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it went off again. And, and then a few minutes later, a text comes in on Jane's phone. Blake, Tyler, Rokas is born into the world. And oh, we were so glad to be there. And when we finally got to go in, and I could see and hold my grandbaby for the very first time. It had been a while. They kind of had to show me how to do it. You know, I had held a baby in a while. I said, Corey, get over here. Get over here. Somebody take a picture. And three generations of raucous men were in that picture. And how proud and how excited. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Where were Mary's folks? That says something, doesn't it? I wonder if that's the reason that Mary took off and went to her relative Elizabeth's house. Notice Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Mary, number three, was misunderstood, and yet she was patient. Again, looking back, here we see Matthew 1.20. But after he, Joseph had considered this. Considering what? What she had just told him. How long is he in the considering phase? You're pregnant and it's God's? Let me consider this. How long did that take? We don't know how long Joseph left Mary hanging. Is the wedding on? Is the wedding off? Was it a day he considered? Was it a week? Was it a month? We don't know. And maybe while he's considering, she takes off to Elizabeth's house. And even after Joseph finally did believe her, she still had to tolerate false accusations for years to come. Mary, to me, was a remarkable woman, wasn't she? God chose the right woman to deal with all this stuff. And then, while waiting, she was active. Number two, Mary actively waited on the Lord. She did really four things while she was waiting, while Joseph's considering. She served somebody else. She served. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. That's her relative, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. Now, this is probably really close to the time he's about to be born. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, that's John the Baptist inside of her, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She prophesied. Look what she says. Verse 42. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. 
and blessed is the child you will bear. What does Mary know? She knows, she now knows that Elizabeth knows. And I'm sure something like this happened. Mary said, finally, finally there's someone who believes my story. Don't you know there was a closeness between Mary and a bond between Mary and Elizabeth? You know, the holidays are a strategic time of the year when even if we're waiting on the answer to a prayer that we haven't got answered yet, we should be serving somebody. While you're waiting for God to come through, you should be serving. And, and I love the way that Elizabeth served here. She served with an encouraging word. We're going about to see Mary serve Elizabeth, but right now Elizabeth is serving Mary with a word of encouragement. Don't you know, it had to be great to hear, Blessed are you among women? Blessed is the child you will bear? You know, the holidays are not happy days for everybody. You know, the holidays in some families don't go so well. And there may be some among us even in here today that are financially strapped. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're seeking a job that just hasn't come through yet. You're still in the holding pattern. You're still waiting for God to move, for God to work. Give an encouraging word to somebody this holiday season. Luke 156, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about what? Three months. Why so long? What was she, what do you suppose she was doing during that three month period? Period. I believe Mary's serving Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, don't you? I think the baby was born during this time. I mean, Mary's preparing meals, she's changing diapers, she's doing grocery shopping. You know, Elizabeth's no spring chicken when she had John the Baptist. She's up in years, she's beyond childbearing age. She's going to need some help. Look at God's timing. Look at how God, serving one another. She was served with an encouraging word. And now she's serving by physical help to bring this little John the Baptist uh, off to a good start in the world. Let me give you an insight. If you are waiting on the Lord to answer your prayer and to come through for you, don't become a couch potato waiting. Serve somebody. Even if it's with an encouraging word, look for that opening. Encourage somebody. Number two, Mary sang. She didn't only serve, she sang. Luke 146, we, we, we hear her song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my what? Savior. Mary's calling the birth, the child within her, her what? Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of a servant. She knows that the child within her is God. What is she saying? God is mindful of me? I'm a nobody from nowhere, and God chose me? From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And here we are 2,000 years later doing what? Calling her blessed, remembering her story, 
Remembering her faith, remembering her patience, remembering her waiting upon the Lord, and remembering her song. Music is soothing. When God gives you a song, oftentimes after the last song on a Sunday morning, it sticks with me the rest of the day. I'm singing that the rest of the day. Keeps me calm, keeps me at peace. It can be soothing. Music can inspire your spirit. It can calm your nerves. You remember King Saul in the Old Testament? This guy was on edge all the time, and he hired a little shepherd boy named David to do what? Play music to calm him down. Did you know that the last thing that Jesus did before going to the cross was to sing a song? Read that. They're in the upper room. He sings a song, and then the garden. And then the soldiers, and then the trials, and then the whip, and then the cross, and the crown, and the agony. A song came first, calms the spirit, inspires the soul. Mary served, Mary sang, Mary stayed put. I love this about her. She didn't run from her problems. Chapter 1, verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then what? Returned home. After three months, she's starting to what? Get that little baby bump. She's starting to show. She's going back into what? The lion's den, the hornet's nest. Facing Joseph, the parents, the community, the gossip. The trash talk. And even 30 years later, she's still hearing gossip about her. You remember in John chapter 8, and verse 41, what it said? This is an encounter with the Pharisees, and they say about Jesus. John 8, 41. We are not illegitimate what? Children. What do you think that's a reference to? What was the rumor about Mary? That child was not Joseph's. So what's the implication about Jesus? He's an illegitimate child. You're talking to us? You're preaching to us, you illegitimate child? See how the rumor mill gets started? You see the mess we can make with our words? Mary, knowing all that, still stayed put. She didn't run from her problems. She knew if she ran from her problems, she'd have to repeat her problems. She endured the trash talk. So when you're misunderstood... I can guarantee you right now, there's going to be a strong temptation on your part to just want to run, get away from it. I'm going someplace else. I'm just out of here. Resist that temptation. Be like Mary. Tough it out. You will mature, and you will be blessed. And in the long run, you'll be glad you stayed. She served. She sang. She stayed put. But she did something else. She stayed faithful, and so did Joseph. They got back together. Now it took an act of God. It took another angel. It took another vision for Joseph to get it through his thick skull, but he finally did. He came around, Matthew 1.20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, what she told you is true. Come on, Joe, get with the program. You think Mary would actually lie to you? Think about that character of that woman. 
Think about her love for you. Think about the plans, the excitement you all had. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, just like the angel said to do. Ah, he's a good man. Joseph was a man of God, a good man willing to do things God's way. He reconciles with his wife. And, and, and he travels to Bethlehem with her where the birth would take place. And then to protect that baby boy, that son of God, takes him down into Egypt, teaches that boy a trade, raises him as his own. Yeah, we don't hear much about Joseph other than one more incident down the road when he's about 12. And then that's it. But I know this. The Bible says he was a righteous man, willing to do things God's way. And a reconciliation took place. He stayed faithful to God, stayed faithful to Mary, and Mary did the same as well. Oh, I love their story, don't you? Someone said this. Good quote. When we are in tough times, and everyone's going to go through them, believe me, Sometimes, not always, but sometimes, the wisest thing is to just wait on the intervention of God. You know, I've found that God does a whole lot better job of defending me than I do defending myself. You ever found that to be true? You just do what God told you to do. You be patient. You be faithful. Follow Mary's lead. Now, when people understand you, when you're going through personal stress, sometimes when there's a death in the family, our tendency is to kind of rush in there and jump in there and try to fix everything. You know, some things you just cannot fix. Some things are best just left to God. And when you leave things to God, guess what you got to do? Just back up, get out of the way, and wait. Just stay faithful. Just serve. Sing. And stay. You know, King David was anointed king as a little shepherd boy, way down here, runt of the litter. Shepherds were at the bottom rung in the family and in the social employment schedule of life. Social circles, shepherds weren't much. He was anointed as a shepherd boy as king of all of Israel. But it would be years of waiting on the Lord before he ever sat on that throne. And during that waiting time, he did a lot of praying and staying faithful to God, and he never once put his hand against King Saul when he had the opportunity to kill him. Didn't do it. He waited for God's timing. I love that about King David. And the same man wrote this psalm, Psalm 37, 34. Wait for the Lord. What do I do while I'm waiting? And keep His way. Now, I've waited for the Lord impatiently and angrily and with a bad attitude. That's not what he's saying. Keep His way while you're waiting. Have a good attitude. Stay busy. At the right time, He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. The day's coming. Some of you have given up five minutes too soon. You've ran too quickly. 
Hang in there. Now, this is tough counsel, I know, especially when you're going through a tough time, especially when you're misunderstood and you feel like you're unjustly accused. But I believe it's still the right call. The Christmas story is about two people who waited and trusted God. And you know what? God continues to look for men and women just like Mary and Joseph still today. Why is that story in the Bible? Because God's looking for people like them. He wants you to be like them. Hosea verse 10 verse 12, we'll close with this. It's time for you to turn to me. See, God's already been looking for you. Before you were seeking God, He was seeking you. But now that you know that, it's time for you to turn to Him. The Lord says, turn to me, your Lord, and I will come and pour out blessings upon you. You know, the biggest blessing you'll ever receive in life is your salvation by far. And it's there in an instant. I know, I know. On earth, we say the fastest thing in the universe is the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second. If you don't believe me, you try opening your refrigerator door before the light goes on. But there's one thing faster. And that's God's answer when a wayward child says, Lord, save me. It's done. Twinkling of an eye. Fastest thing around. Who needs to be saved this morning? You say, oh, I wish my neighbor were here. I wish my relative was here. I wish my coworker, who's so far from God, needs to hear this story. You got one more chance tonight. I know the highlight's going to be the kids, but if you'll give me 10 minutes tonight, I want to look at Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds. And I want your friends and family and lost loved ones to hear the gospel one more time. This may be the year. I have found it takes about seven times on average for people to kind of really get it. This may be the sixth time. It may be the seventh time tonight. I don't know. But we'll never know if you don't bring them, right? Bring someone tonight. I have found that this, one of the reasons I love the Christmas season so much is people are more open to the things of God than at any other time of the year. And I want them to hear the gospel message. And so if you give me about 10 minutes before the children do their thing, I want to share the gospel one more time tonight as we look at Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds. And I hope you come and I hope that you bring somebody tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you that you as the Christmas God cared enough to send the very best in your son Jesus. Thank you that Mary was such a willing servant. What a great attitude she had while she waited. Serving and singing and staying put. Thank you for Joseph, who was a godly man, who was willing to do things your way as well. Help us to remember that Christmas is a time to release our fears and renew our faith and restore relationships. Like Joseph and Mary, they had to restore that relationship. And maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to restore a relationship with God. Maybe they do so right now. by just saying, God, I want to come home. I want to come back to you. Others maybe 
still far from God, but you've heard the message and you're ready. I want to encourage you the way that Elizabeth encouraged Mary by saying that you can be blessed through Jesus this morning. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, say something like this. You don't have to say it out loud. God can hear your thoughts. Just say, Jesus Christ, I am ready to repent of my sins. I am ready to trust you and you alone for my salvation. And I stand ready to do what you told me to do, put you on in baptism. I believe you, Lord. I'm trusting you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.